Welcome to Maximus Men Striving for Greatness to our fourth episode of the year. We're back in studio with a local guest. Welcome, Shah Belresh from Parisian Media. Thanks for having me, Chris. Doing really well. It's great to be in person right now. So, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Awesome. It's great to have you. And uh, you're on the other side of the table. I know you've been running plenty of these sort of interviews yourself uh, for Perugia Media recently. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so thanks for coming in. Thank you. It's nice to be on this side of the table. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to be talking about how we as men best engage with social media, with screens, with the rise of internet invading every area of our lives. And Shabelle is sort of leading the way as a Catholic organization working directly as a media organization as well. Um, so he's here to share his story and his expertise with us. And we'll begin with a prayer. As we usually do, we'll say the prayer to St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, cast your solemn gaze upon the devil and all his minions and protect us with your mighty staff. You fled through the night to avoid the devil's wicked designs. Now, with the power of God, smite the demons as they flee from you. Grant special protection, we pray, for children, fathers, families, and the dying. By God's grace, no demon dares approach while you are near. So we beg of you, always be near to us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, Chavel, so... Um, I think not all of our audience really knows you, and uh, you do have a very powerful testimony. So I always like to give the background and an opportunity for our guests to share their testimonies. Um, so please go ahead, tell us who you are and, and how you got here to love our Lord and the church so much. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, yeah, I have to say I didn't take my faith uh, seriously from the very beginning. I took it for granted. I am um, one of six boys. Um, my father is born and raised in Colombia, South America. Mother is born and raised in Lebanon. Uh, my father's one of 30 uh, half-brothers and sisters, and that's uh, his father, my grandfather, Abuelo, um, had 22 children with seven uh, different women. So uh, I, I share that to show that uh, the environment my father was in wasn't the most, uh, I guess, uh, moral, <laughs> if you like, um, ethical. But, uh, you know, they loved life. They loved to party on the Caribbean up there. And he one day went to Lebanon for a holiday. And uh, as a 16-year-old, met my mum, who's complete opposite. Uh, she was uh, 13 at the time when they met. Uh, poor family in Lebanon, one of 14 children from the same parents. And uh, they met. Um, and a year later, they got married. So he was only 17. She was 14. Whoa. Had um, two children. They went back to Colombia for six years, had two children. My mum was very religious. Uh, she wanted to be a nun growing up, but here she is. She found herself as a 14-year-old married. Um, uh, she lost the first baby as a 15-year-old in Colombia, um, uh, but then had two other um, children and uh, then came to Australia because her family moved to uh, Sydney from Lebanon at that time while she was there. So in the early 70s, they came to Australia and um, they settled in Belmore. So those rugby league fans, the home of the Bulldogs, were literally uh, one block away from Belmore Sports Ground. So you could see the scoreboard. Uh, you could hear the crowds during the game. Um, and I was born in Canterbury Hospital, so I was, I was destined to be a Bulldogs uh, fan. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, we grew up uh, praying the rosary uh, in Arabic, Spanish, and English. Um, and that was fun. You know, we went to St. Michael's Belfield, 
had our sacraments uh, there. Um, but in, in, an interesting uh, story about myself. My mum, my mum lost a few children, and uh, with me, um, she was heavily bleeding about four and a half months in, mm. and uh, and it wasn't stopping. And and days and days would go on, and, and the doctor said, "Look, I don't recommend you continue. This is this is very unusual for you. It, um, you should." consider uh, terminating and, and ending the pregnancy because uh, he didn't like the chances and she would have to rest and put her feet up for the rest of the pregnancy. She didn't want to um, go down that road of uh, an abortion, yeah. so she uh, immediately prayed to um, the saint she knew best, the doctor in heaven she calls Saint Charbel, and she said, Saint Charbel, if you would save this child, I will name uh, this child in your honour. Yeah. If it was a boy, Charbel, if it was a girl, some sort of feminine Charlene or Charlotte. Yeah. Um, so um, that night, the bleeding stopped. Right. And um, she knew her prayer was answered. Got mm-hmm. to, baby was born. The doctor was amazed. He couldn't believe what he what he saw. So she she was good to her promise. Took me straight to the church in Punchbowl, and uh, and thanked Saint Chabel um, for for my life. And uh, and so that's where I got my name. And I thank uh, thank my mother for for saying yes to life. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Um, but then, yeah, we were brought up as ordinary Catholic family. We were going to Sunday Mass in the early years, but after my first Holy Communion, we stopped. Um, we didn't go to Sunday Mass. My dad left home. Um, he did come back after, but he did leave home for a while. He um, yeah, left uh, home for another woman uh, about a year and a half, but uh, again, answered a prayer, came back home, uh, wow. interesting enough, a year and a half later. But um, it was during that whole time, yeah, we didn't go to church. And then I went to a public school, Belmont Boys High, which all in the same area. Um, and uh, I started to meet other non, non-Catholics. non So I went to a Catholic primary school. But in a public school, I didn't have any Catholic friends. Um, majority of them were Islamic friends. And, uh, you know, they assumed I was Muslim, just my appearance. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, right away when they discovered that I was not a Muslim and they saw the crucifix around my neck and they, they started to question me, what is that around your neck? And I said, that's... Jesus and I said, "Oh, why do you wear that?" I said, "That's part of my faith," mm-hmm. and 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 I started to go get sort of, I guess, interrogated all these questions. Like, How do you know Jesus died on the cross? Do you have any evidence? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, oh, "Everyone knows that." And they said, "Well, prove it." And I couldn't prove it. Did he rise from the dead? I said, "Yes." Can you prove it? No, I couldn't prove it. <laughs> um, and uh, then you know the idea of Jesus being God and the Son of God. We Christians are confused. And so I started for six years being uh, hammered with these questions and I, yeah. I had no idea how to respond. Um, the school environment, it was interesting because it wasn't the best environment to be in um, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, the students, the school was famous for the wrong reasons, being on the wrong side of the law. Uh, we had uh, yeah, boys in and out of jail. Um, you know, I've got classmates still in jail now. Um, there's been all sorts of things. Um, I won't go into too much graphic detail, but to paint a picture, it was it was branded the worst school in New South Wales in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I to my shame failed my HSC. I was a school captain and I and I got one of the lowest marks you can get, and um, and so didn't take school seriously. I wasn't living a very moral life in high school, yeah. um, but it took my Islamic friends um, to to change to cha- to to change me. Um, they they asked me questions. They invited me to the mosque one day, and this was in um, my final year of high school. Yeah. And uh, and uh, a Muslim imam from Jordan came 
um, and he started to ask me questions. So he said, how do you Christians pray? And I started to recite the Our Father. And right away he, he stopped me and said, who are you addressing as Father? I said, God. He said, why are you calling God Father? And I said, oh, because that's who he is. Mm. And he says, well, do you have an earthly father? And I said, yes. He says, well, why are you insulting God by putting on human attributes? I didn't think of it that way. So I thought, okay, well, back in my mind, one kneel to him, um, a bit like a sport. I thought I could make a Christian out of him. Little did I know I was being um, convinced the other way. Mm. Um, he would ask me other questions. Who is Jesus? I say, God. He says, okay, so God is talking to himself. So how do you explain that one? I couldn't. I said, no, he's the son of God. I said, oh, he's the son of God, is he? So is God, he's, he's the son of God and God at the same time. Which one? Uh, make up your mind. And I said, oh, he's both. Explain. And I couldn't. And then he said, uh, you Christians believe in, uh, he said, you Christians believe in the Holy Spirit, don't you? I said, yes, explain that. I, I couldn't, I couldn't explain it. I just didn't know how to. Um, and then he asked me to close my eyes and say in Arabic, um, the Shahada prayer, which is, which is these words in Arabic, uh, there is only one God and his prophet Muhammad. You say it three times in front of witnesses, you are initiated in Islam. So I was wow. pretty much baptized uh, according right. to their, their uh, ritual. And then I, I was given a white gown. I had a shower. You're supposed to wash your old life away. Mm. And, uh, and I was very nervous because my life was about to change. And I, all I had this urge to pray, the only prayer I knew was the Our Father and the Hail Mary. Um, and so I started to recite, Hail Mary, then another one. It took 10 Hail Marys, exactly a decade of the rosary mm. to finish the shower. And um, uh, on the last Hail Mary, when I said amen, I was putting my gown on, this white gown, and I heard this little whisper in a voice, not yet, not yet. And I thought, that could be Our Lady. I was addressing Our Lady. So I took off the um, the gown, uh, put my normal clothes back on, went out to the main area, and, um, and the Muslim man said, what's wrong? Is everything okay? I said, look, I don't know my faith. It's not fair that I leave something I don't know. If God wants me to be a Muslim, he'll show me. And he said, fair enough. Um, but I said, I just got one question, if you don't mind. He said, yeah, anything you like. That in Islam, a man can marry four wives. He said, I said, how is that possible? And how is that right in God's eyes? Um, and he said, ah, good question. Um, he said, not every man can do that. Only the men who can treat the women equally. I said, what do you mean? said, well, if you buy one woman a house, you've got to buy all four women a house. You buy, <laughs> say, this is the example again. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sure it's a bit deeper than that. Um, and he says, no. Um, I said, how do you love more than one person equally? And his example to me was, does your mother love all of her children equally? I was only 18. I didn't have any theology of the body background or anything. Yeah. And uh, I knew that that love was different. Mm -hmm. The love between a husband and wife is definitely different to love between parents and children. Yeah. I said, that's a different love. And his answer to me was, love is love. And I thought, something, I'm not happy with that answer. Yeah. I walked away thinking, okay, one, one for the Christians, you know, that wasn't <laughs> enough. So I walked out, thanked him, and uh, my friend uh, dropped me home. And uh, my mother was like looking for me. I was about three or four hours late from school. <laughs> and uh, she said, where were you? And I just casually sat down at the local mosque. And she freaked out. So yeah. what? <laughs> She gave me this big slap across the face. I can still feel it today. She goes, you go down to Jesus in the church and ask him if he wants you to be a Muslim. Uh, and if he, if he does, I won't stop you. Oh, fair enough. Um, so I went to the church, St. Michael's in Belfield. Mm. It was unlocked. It was, it was open. Uh, perpetual adoration. So this is one of the few churches in the country that wouldn't be locked. It would stay yeah. open, unlocked 24-7. Mm. 
So thank God it was open six o'clock in the evening. I go into the church, the red lights on. I remember back in primary when the red lights on, that means Jesus is there. Yeah. So I said, okay, Jesus, if you're really here, show me. And I knelt down at the back of the church, looked at the box and I said, okay, do you want me to be a Muslim or a Christian? Show me. It was, and, and to be honest, Chris, that was the first time I could honestly say I prayed in my life. Yeah, right. I feel like before then I gave God lip service, just the alpha, rattled off the alpha. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time I generally wanted an answer from God. I generally wanted a sign. And, and I stared at that box and nothing happened. It was dead silent. Why is that significant? Because the miracle there is I knelt down, staring at a box, the tabernacle, for 30 minutes, dead silent. I've never sat still in my life uh, more than one minute, and yeah. let alone 30. So that was a miracle. But then this elderly lady came in, lit a candle, and she was struggling. She had a walker. I thought, what a, she's gone through a lot of trouble just to light this candle. She must be a holy woman. Yeah, she, and I thought she'll be in heaven. And an instant flashback of one of my discussions with my friends, only Muslims go to heaven. She's going to hell, according to Islam. That can't be right. So I look back at the box, and and this shadow appeared on the door of the tabernacle. And I could make out a face. I could see eyes, a beard, uh, nose, and, wow. and then looked away, looked back, and it was still there. Um, and then this inner voice, Shabel, are you going to give up all that I've done for you? Mm. And I felt that to be Jesus. And, and that image was, later I discovered the Shroud of Turin. I've never seen it before, and, and there it is. Yeah. Um, and this sort of, some people say it was just the way the light hit the tabernacle. Well, so be it. Well, God somehow used that he can use light, that shadow, to, to imprint in my mind a face of Jesus, and I heard an inner voice, and that was all I needed to get my answer. I'm a Catholic. I'm not going to leave my church. I'm going to remain Catholic, and now I need to know why. So I left that church on, you know, on cloud nine. and had the weight, of, you know, weight on my shoulders lifted, and I felt free. And, uh, and out of all the churches in the country, this particular church had apologetics, Lumen Verum apologetics classes. Yeah. And they, they had these weekly, those, right? they still go on once a month. <laughs> that's right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, um, went, this was exactly what I needed at that time. 18 year old, all these questions about, about the Trinity, about the divinity of Christ. How do we describe, how did we explain all this? Mm-hmm. And we had people like, uh, Robert Haddad and, um, you know, uh, there was Arlette Bowen who started it with them and David Obeid and many other speakers. I saw, you know, very own uh, Archdiocesan speakers, Peter Holmes yeah. gave talks there and, and many other great speakers from around the country. Mm. And I would just lap it up. I'd just put my hand up at, during Q&A and ask all my questions and got my answers. I would turn up every Friday, yeah. every Friday without fail. Now that's a miracle again because during school I couldn't sit still in a classroom. I never would listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but here I am sitting in a, in, in, if you like, a lecture yeah. for an hour. And, Voluntarily. Uh, yes, <laughs> wanting to be there. Uh, granted, the first few times I did fall asleep because some of the, <laughs> some of the, uh, the terminology was over my head. Um, I never heard of the word encyclical before. Mm. I never heard of the word transubstantiation before. Yeah. I didn't know what the background about the whole Vatican Council and all that stuff and history of the church. And, and but uh, thanks be to God, I persevered through them and, uh, and I just, Loved it, soaked it in, and my friends saw the change, and they said, you know what, uh, you never used to be religious. What's happened? And I said, well, I know, I'm falling in love with, with my faith. Well, you've got us to thank for that. There's my Muslim friend saying it now. And I said, you're right. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for you guys challenging me, I wouldn't have had this 
um, relationship with God. So thank you very much. Yeah. And since that day, I thanked God every day for my Muslim friends mm. because they challenged me and I needed that challenge. Yeah. I never was challenged by Catholics. Mm. <laughs> I was only ever challenged by my Muslim friends. And, and there it is. Um, and I, I pray for them. And it took about six, 17 years to, to open up publicly about my story. Okay. I, I, I think it was, you know, I was fearful of shame. I, I was embarrassed. Uh, people saw me, uh, you know, as Perusia and, and all of that. And, mm. and you get, you know, you want to live up to some sort of ideal. And, and it was sure. very vulnerable to sort of open up about it. Um, and it was hard. You know, my mum didn't want me to sort of make public some of the family situations. Okay. But then when I started to share one-on-one with people and saw the impact it was having, inspiring people i thought okay i'll, I'll keep sharing it yeah. until uh someone uh, uh actually when i went to america and a lot of the uh, guys over there ignatius press and ewt and catholic answers they would hear the story and they would say you need to write a book you need to write a book and for about a year solid people telling me write a book and eventually i finally put words to paper and um and i finally got it written written the book and and published it just in the last year at the start of COVID, <laughs> and um and and praise God, it seems to be having an impact, and more and more people are learning about the story. And, um, and so again, it would have been very different if it wasn't for my Muslim friends challenging me. So thank God, as long as it's bearing fruit and it's inspiring people, I'm happy to continue sharing it. So I hope yeah. I hope it inspires anyone out there just to not take their faith for granted. Yeah, no, I, I can actually relate to some of that. I had a, a conversion myself in in year twelve, wow. and I was at a Protestant school. So I think in my year level, there was 120 of us and there was three Catholics and everyone else was Protestant. And uh, they were actually very involved in their faith too. And, that, and they, they did the same thing with questioning me about about more Catholic issues. Because, yes. I mean, obviously they were Christians already, but questioning me about the Eucharist, about Our Lady, about the Pope, you know, those classic questions that yes. always come up. And, <laughs> and um, I had a, a friend's dad from, from my parish uh, show me, you know, Scott Hahn recordings from years ago and... and um, <laughs> Uh, Steve Ray and all those guys. Um, so in, I also didn't do as well as I'd like to in year 12 because I was actually listening to apologetics when I should have been <laughs> doing my homework. <laughs> um, okay, Charvel, but uh, how did how did you then come to start Perugia itself? Is that a vision that God gave you very soon after converting back or reverting, I suppose? Um, or did it take a while before you got the idea to start Perugia? Sure. It took a few years. Um, so... The next part, God was working on me. I, I was convinced that I was in the right church. That was the start. But I knew I, I had to, I went to confession for the first time. That was a, another radical conversion experience. First confession since my first confession after 10 years. And, uh, the, the local priest who knew me, uh, or knew of me, um, well, he didn't know what I got up to. And so he, you know, he gave me a drilling after, but, um, after that, I, I started to go to church again and started going to mass. And uh, to be honest, Chris, I, I didn't enjoy it. I knew I had to be there, but I wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. And I remember my mother would turn up to church every day and she loved it. She started, she saw the change in me and she started going back to church and she would walk to church and, uh, and, and loved it. And she did these all night vigils, first mm. Friday, first Saturday devotions where they'd spend all night mm. praying. And she loved it. And I think, are you serious, mum? Like you spent all night praying? And she says, yes. I said, are you telling me if you, you love prayer so much, you would, you would pray all day. And she says, if I had the opportunity, if I didn't have to feed you boys, <laughs> yeah, of course. So I said, come on. Uh, look, I know we have to pray, but prayer is just like the chores. You know, you vacuum, you, you clean, you, you got to do those things. Uh, prayer is just like that, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, and she says, oh, no, it's the best thing. Um, I said, I don't enjoy it, Mum. I have to be honest. She said, why don't you ask Jesus to help you enjoy prayer? Believe it or not, I did. A little simple prayer. Jesus, help me to pray. And that Lent, I made a commitment to visit the church every day, even just for one minute. One minute became two minutes, became three minutes, four, five. I started popping into the church. I, I was still sort of foot in the world of going night clubbing at night. But on a Saturday night, three in the morning, pop into the church because it was open. Um, it was the best thing I could have done because yeah. I was building up this, not only an appetite for prayer, but this appreciation for the silence mm-hmm. from all that noise. Right. And uh, um, I remember just falling in love with prayer. I started to read the Bible. I started to understand what was going on in the Mass. I was then introduced to Sky Hahn, <laughs> yeah. um, and I was given a cassette, um, uh, Evangelizing Catholics and Bible Christians. Uh, sorry, calling Catholics to become Bible Christians mm. and vice versa, yeah. if that makes sense. And um, awesome, awesome set. And then I wanted more. And this friend of mine, this priest, retired priest, Father Chris, he gave me more cassettes. And I started to go up to his house. We started having coffees together, and, and he would teach me how to pray the divine office, which was the first time I experienced it. And then I started learning um, all the other prayers of the church, Lexia Divina, and all this stuff I never knew of. I was falling in love with God. Um, it took about a year since the actual encounter to then say, wow, I didn't want to leave the church. I, I would be three, four hours a day in prayer. And then my friends would be, well, do you want to be a priest? Um, because you're praying a lot. And I thought, maybe that's a sign from God. So about two years later, I went, to Cardinal Pell, yes. and I asked him, uh, I don't know if I'm called to the priesthood, but if I am, am I a Maronite or a, or a Romanite? Because my dad's from Colombia. But he worked out that my father's grandfather came from Lebanon to Colombia, so I'm oh, actually right. a Maronite. And it, and it lasts quite a few generations. He says, no, no, Shabell, without a doubt, you're Maronite. So I had to go to the Maronite bishop. Yeah. Um, but what was great was I, was, I joined the, the, the eparchy, the Maronite eparchy mm. in the seminary, but I, I studied with the um the Sydney Archdiocese. Okay. So um, I was at the Good Shepherd Seminary in 2003, yeah. Yeah. and I, I was there for a full year um, discerning the priesthood. I always wanted to be married. That never left me, but mm. but this idea of priesthood, I just wanted to find out. It was a discernment year. I went to Lebanon after that in 04, but, uh, and, and according you know, to the Maronite rite, married men can be priests. Yeah. So I had the option, and, and I would see these beautiful girls and, and think, okay, they're very attractive. And mm. and uh, and it was normal, right? One in two priests are married or okay. married men. And I thought, maybe married priest. But if I was to get married, who would I marry? And I knew of my wife, Christine. Yeah. Uh, she came into my mind right then. Mm. Uh, it would be Christine. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you know, in Sydney, I met a few times at, at, at church and, uh, and she would not leave me <laughs> in my mind, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And she would became part of my prayer. Yeah. Solid six months, and I told the bishop in the end, look, I, uh, I think I've, I've been called to marriage this whole time. I had a spiritual director in the seminary, and they said, without a doubt, you're called to marriage. Um, so I left. Although I want to stay, I love the life. Yeah. But it, uh, you're not, you're not, your vocation isn't to be a seminarian. Right. Your vocation is to be a priest. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I left. All on good terms. I was always welcome to go back if I wanted to, but um, I I pursued a relationship with Christine. We started to court in 04, mid-04, and it was then a year later got engaged, 
And that was about the time um, I started Perusia. And Perusia started, that's a long way to get to the point. Yeah. But Perusia um, started out of a need to get more cassettes or CDs okay. at the time. Okay. I didn't realize it actually started that long ago. So yeah, 2005, um, yeah. May of May of 2005. And, yeah, the day so we recorded. Oh, wow, yeah. This week. Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week is, this week is the yeah. um, is the 16th anniversary. Um, but when I started, I didn't want to start it. I, I just wanted to get some Skahan CD. Sure. But it was out of a, um, a request from them, St. Joseph Communications. Mm. So they had all the Steve Ray CDs. They had yeah. the Scott Hahn, the Tim Staples, all these mm. guys. And I said, I just wanted to get this particular set um, from Scott Hahn. And the shipping, the CD set was $20. Shipping was $50. And I thought, what, $70 for this $20 CD set? Mm. So there's got to be a, an easier way to get this. And they said, well, maybe you should consider manufacturing them locally and pay us a royalty. So they planted in my mind this idea of a license. Yeah. And I said, what's involved? You just got to get a website, set up your business and, um, and order your first set of master copies and away you go. Okay. So I did a bit of research and um, I met up with a, a quadriplegic friend of mine, um, Anthony Suka, who coded our first website. We came up with a name together. We wanted a name. Uh, we, we looked at Latin names, Hebrew names, mm. Greek names, and this Greek word parousia. Yeah. In Greek, it sounds like this parousia. Okay. Um, uh, so it means that initially you may think of the second coming because that's what many many Christians think of. Yeah. But if you listen to Scott Hahn and what he says, he says it's, the literal translation is presence. Okay. And yes, there's a future presence. We're wait, waiting to the presence yes. of Christ. But this idea of presence, so it was quite profound when I later discovered, wow, it's the presence of Christ and the future, second coming in one. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had my encounter in front of the real presence, mm. and uh, I felt it was very fitting, this word, uh, yeah. the parousia. And uh, we, we registered the name. He coded the first website with his mouth. He had a mouthpiece, Anthony, wow. coded it, letter by letter. And this, in the old days, it wasn't drag and drop. It was coding, yeah. like literally, if you wanted one to put a space, unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> even just put a space in between letters. You had to spell the word space. Like it was, it's very detailed. Like yeah. it's not easy. And he yeah, did no, it. I've seen that in HTML. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, so he, he, we launched with 20 titles and the first, uh, customer, I came straight actually to this building. Okay. Um, went to the CCD and, uh, Anthony Cleary was there and yes. I brought a bucket of CDs and, and showed him, uh, and he said he got, you know, a little bit of everything and, and that was it and started to approach mustard seed and approach, uh, Portico books at the time. And, and all these other Catholic bookstores. I was teaching full time. Yes. But I was uh, just doing this out of a, out of a need for me. First, mm. I just wanted, and I was, I found myself sharing this with friends. Yeah. And then word of mouth spread. And mm. so over the next few years, I started to get contacted from other bookstores and other people. And, um, and it got to the point where in 09, I wanted to, um, invite Scott Hahn. Um, he was busy, couldn't get here. The next best, in line at the time and we had a huge range was Tim Staples yeah. so we invited him uh, to Sydney he came and just did a tour of Sydney um, yeah with the blessing of Cardinal Pell and the team the Archdiocese yeah. of Sydney it was a great week six days straight um, he gave 16 talks in six days wow um, and we calculated over 6,000 attendees mm. across that six days so when you add up all the yeah, attendees of every event phenomenal um, and we're blown away and people were constantly asking us who's next, who's next. And I was full-time teaching. I did this in my holidays. And then um, it, it just by request, I, I looked for the next year, the holiday, same time, and Father Mitch Pacwa, Steve Ray, yeah. 
and Alex Jones, um, God may rest in peace. He passed away a few years ago, but he was a, he was a Pentecostal, former Pentecostal pastor, yeah. and half his church became Catholic. Wow. Steve Ray was a former Baptist yeah. who was who was played a key role in the conversion of Alex Jones, and uh, and he's got an amazing story. And then of course Father Mitch Packer speaks over eleven languages yeah. on EWT and yeah. phenomenal. So we had three speakers at once, twenty days, five cities, and ten thousand people were reached. And mm. this that was it. They became part of this was expected now. People wanted more of it. And yeah. so I went part time. I, I approached I was teaching at Redfield College at the time and they were very supportive and they said, Yeah, we can offer you part time. Yeah. So I was able to continue teaching. And, and, and run Perusia on the side like that. And, um, and then employ our very first, uh, employee. So, um, so the rest is history. It's been growing. Thanks be to God ever since. But, um, just amazing how I just wanted to get a Scott Hahn city. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that sort of evolved into yeah. this. And the Holy Spirit's God. taken you on a journey. Praise God. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> labor of love. And th- thank you for saying yes over and over again. Oh, oh, I'm man. sure many people's lives have been changed. Praise um, God. Absolutely. I want to hone in more on how media has evolved. Obviously, you've been on the front line as, you know, because those dates that you're mentioning there is when social media started to come out, people got more involved in it. And obviously, not just everybody, but Catholics, which means the church, you know, became involved in in social media. I'm interested in what you think, what you've noticed of uh, the impact the church has had on Oh, sorry, the media, social media has had on the church and also individual Catholics. Yeah, great question. It's evolved a lot. Um, so I remember not having a smartphone, not having a mobile phone yeah. in, in high school. Um, and I remember having the very first popular, what was popularized, the, the, the Nokia 5110. Um, uh, it, it was, it was the biggest thing back then. You used to play the snake game on yeah. there. And, um, <laughs> so I was in year 12 when I got my first uh, mobile phone. And that, you know, texting was, was, was very new and you get your free calls after eight or all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that was a real big thing. Um, I, the closest thing to social media then, I think MSN, uh, chat, yeah, we had chats and that was, that was the closest thing. Mm. Um, and then I remember, um, not think about it. So when Perusia started, remember we had cassettes to begin with, then CDs. So that was the media we used. Um, and the, then the website was launched in 05. But then soon after, I was introduced to Facebook in 07. Yeah. I signed That's up. That's when I signed up for Facebook yeah. <laughs> as well. I was in year 10 then. Very so. new. Very <laughs> new. Um, and I, I, I thought, okay, I started to connect with friends. And then, it, yeah, it, it was a way of advertising Catholic events. So mm-hmm. it was a big part of how we got the word out. Yeah. Um, and so in 08, World Youth Day, um, it was an interesting time. XT3 was launched. Yes. That's right. And this was hoping to be a Catholic sort of response to Facebook. Yeah. Um, it, it, it didn't take off, but the, the concept was brilliant. Um, yeah. the concept was excellent and, and, you know, hats off to all the pioneers there to try this, yeah. to step out in faith and give it a shot. And I, I understand it wasn't cheap to launch this, but, but the idea was, was there. It just was probably the timing or, or, or the execution. People were just so used to Facebook that it just wasn't. Yeah. This other platform wasn't. Yeah. You're actually reminding me that I, I signed up for XT3 in, in 08. I, I, I was only just getting interested in my faith then. Yes. And uh, I, I love how they had the Ask a Priest forum. Yeah, that I always was good. used to go on there with my questions. Like, <laughs> I, I've forgotten about that until you mentioned it now. So, um, so the, I mean, it, it did reach some people. <laughs> it did, yeah. I mean, it, it, it reached, yeah, a few thousand people, but it wasn't 
I guess the the real it didn't replace Facebook, and um, and so Facebook continued to grow, and so Facebook became a real major platform for us, uh, especially in particular, say with the Tim Staples tour, people were taking photos of the talks, and and he would, the crowds would grow every single night thanks to Facebook because people were posting, and and it just had this swell groundswell of people. So every night was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's thanks to social media, the instant yeah. um, photo uploading and all those sort of things, the chats. Um, and so that was a big part of then our ministry. So we started, we created our own page, and, and we had a, a Twitter account, a Facebook account. Um, Instagram came a lot later. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was a big part of uh, who we are, how we communicated. Uh, YouTube was launched as well. We had a YouTube channel. And, and a lot of people are discovering us around the world that way, mm. free content. But, uh, yeah, I have to say, probably yeah, a few years ago, I noticed because there's so many options of, of social media, people are spoiled for choice and people are choosing. Yeah. So do you go on all the platforms or you pick and choose? We sort of settled in for just a couple. Yeah. Um, we didn't, we just didn't have the, 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 the brain power to, mm. to spend on all of, of course, all of yeah. them. But I think something's happened. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely changed the way we, we, we look at content, the way we learn about things, the way we research, yeah. the way we are evangelized and, 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 and evangelized, um, the way we interact with people. Um, and we've gotten to a point now, scary enough, where it's so large, we're so dependent on it that these big uh, platforms are also starting to dictate what you see. It's as all, and there's no secret about it. Google, you sign up, you put your preferences in and if you could do a Google search, it automatically will favor what you like, yeah. your location, your worldview, and you're pretty much a living in a bubble. Yeah. If you like, uh, if you're more of a conservative thinker, well, then it's going to show you all your conservative ideas to a point. To and a point, then yeah. if, if you're, um, yeah, whatever, whatever, um, interests you have, it favors those things mm-hmm. for advertisement purposes. Facebook does the same. And now we've entered into a, a very interesting era where now, Channels are being closed down. Yeah. Pro-life channels. The, the platform, yeah. I cannot believe it. And uh, I thought, okay, now we're interfering into people's free freedom of speech. Mm. Um, so we we needed we we looked for a solution. Um, we need a way of communicating with Catholics. Yeah. COVID hit, and I'll, I'm happy yeah. to explain a bit more about that. But social media is a big part of uh, of the way of communication. But I think within reason, we got to learn not to let social media dictate to us how we need to live. We we should. Yeah. It's a tool and let it remain as a tool, not yeah. something that controls us, but we control it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it serves us, not us, uh, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, it's not just a, a problem for men, but we're, we're, we're talking about men on this show. This is a, a men's yes. show. Um, I look at something like Exodus 90, which is a really great program uh, where men commit to a lot of ascetical practices. And one of those is um, very, very strict limiting of screen time, only essential only essential reasons, they say. Uh, I did Exodus 90 last year, Brilliant. and that was the thing that I struggled with the most because I just found that that concept of you can only use your screen for essential purposes to be like a kind of a slippery concept of like, well, what's what's really essential? <laughs> like, yes, that's right. <laughs> I, do I need to research this for work? Oh, this is kind of connected to the pro-life cause, or this is kind yeah. of connected to men's ministry or whatever. So, you know, I can spend time on this and then you're on a tangent and that's it. And it's, 
you know, I've, I've learned that uh, they actually employ psychologists to work at these companies to, to continue to hook people. You know, it's designed to keep you on there, and the, the medium itself is addictive. It works on our brain in, a, in an addictive way. Um, what do, you, do you think um, there are some, you know, foolproof or, or, or just effective strategies, I suppose, that we should employ to have self-mastery uh, while we're current, while we're constantly interfacing with such an addictive thing. Yeah, That's great question, question and, and very important in today's world. It was Exodus ninety that definitely initiated my fast from technology as well. Uh, it was a year ago as well, so last yeah. year, um, and that actually stimulated that. That has become my uh, my Lenten practice. Yeah, moving forward, mm. if you like Exodus forty, you know the, the, the Lenten. Yeah. But I the concept of um, yeah self mastery, not letting not letting things take control of you. And this is, it's, it's a real, um, we need a reality check here. We, we seem to think that um, to be truly free, it means to do whatever you want, however you want, to whoever you want, as often as you want. Yeah. And we don't realize that that's a false sense of freedom because we can fall as slaves to those things. What do I mean? If you want to smoke, for example, go ahead, you're free to smoke. You smoke cigarettes, something simple. It's legal. It's not illegal. You can smoke. Um, but if it gets to the point where now you're addicted to that and you can't live without those cigarettes, now are you free anymore? Mm. And that's the false sense of freedom that we've been lied to. You're not free because you need those cigarettes. Same thing with alcohol. Yeah. If you, um, you can have a, have a drink. Absolutely. Enjoy it. But then when it gets to the point where you can't enjoy life without a drink, then who's in control? So are you free from alcohol? No, you're a slave to it. Uh, any drugs, it goes the same thing. But we can apply that to anything else. Social media is a massive yeah, one. Um, can you live without social media? And so Exodus 90 taught me how hard it was. I was, really, I was, I can't believe how much I was alone on it, and I couldn't yeah. believe it. It was hours. It was probably hours a day if I if I work out work and and personal. Yeah. And you get you get sort of caught in this sort of um, trance or. You're on autopilot. You just start scrolling. It is, yeah. It's passive you just, consumption. Yes. You're wasting time. So I think, wow, that was not very productive, that hour on it. Um, and, and I needed that, I think, wake-up call to go cold turkey. I think yeah. that was good. And during leading up to Lent, during Lent, it was a good time. Lent's a great time to renew. Um, but, of course. of course, you know, sometimes it's hard for us just to make a decision right here, right now. So you know what? At least start tomorrow. Or put a date, put a line in the sand say, I'm going to stop tomorrow. You might cram in a bit today, but at least you've got a, you've got a line. If it's Monday, Monday. I know Monday is like the number one day of the week that people start yeah. new new uh, uh, yeah, disciplines. But yeah. whatever, let, let's start Monday. If you're listening to this on a Friday or whatever, the weekend, start Monday morning, no social media mm. for one day. <laughs> yeah. And then see if you can last. And then maybe maybe just check, check it once a day um, of an evening or of a morning, whatever, for 10 minutes. Can you do that? Yeah. And then, um, so I would say give enforce restrictions on yourself. Uh, other little tips would be delete the app from the home page of your phone. So you have to at least look for it. Yeah. So it, if it's so handy on your home as a shortcut, it's very easy to just press that. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, men, um, and, and, and I'm, you know, guilty too, but, some of the social media posts aren't just about um, looking at uh, information to learn and, and better yourself yeah. or, or just 
mix and, and catch up with friends. Mm. But sometimes we're getting to a stage now where we're, we're seeing soft pornography enter in. And so we've got half naked images on there, yeah. women posing or men as well these days. Mm-hmm. And, and it's on Instagram as well. It's almost like yeah. the platform that's encouraging these poses. And it's, it's, it's designed to hook you in and, and it's a trap. Don't fall in the trap because then you'll look at that stuff. You're just looking at social media. You're not looking at a pornography site, just yeah, social media. But, but hang on. Yeah. It's soft, soft porn is, is still porn. And so be very careful. That's a big one. That's just, Particularly the men, although it's not, it's not, you know, women are not immune totally. We're, we're discovering more women also are, um, are falling to the traps of pornography. Yeah. But, but it, it is something that has crept in and I think uh, we've got to watch ourselves there. So everything within reason, just remember who's in control. Is that social media platform controlling you? And if you can't live without it, then you're enslaved to it. As Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Mm. This is what he's talking about. If that thing causes you to sin, cut that out. Um, and I think uh, we need to have everything within reason. Um, not that it's wrong in itself, but if you can't live without it, then you need to just control that and, and do whatever it takes to to put everything in check, everything in balance, and then and then you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. And I think as family men, the responsibility falls oh. even more heavily upon us. Uh, I mean, just speaking from my own experience, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old and a one-year-old, and they notice when we're on our phones, and they want to go on the phone. They don't really yeah. know what they want to do there, but they, <laughs> they know it plays videos and that sort of thing. Um, so I know, I know you've got more kids than you've got older kids. I'm interested in, in what you what you do in your household um, regarding screen use with your kids, especially in their free time. Or yeah, sort of absolutely. We, we try to minimize it as much as possible and, and have it more of a treat rather than an expectation. Mm-hmm. So they, they sort of... Um, Watching movies or things, that's, that's a treat. So they earn it. If they, if they've been good, they've done all their work. They've, they've helped around the house or their chores are done. Um, and you know, and it's, if it's a miserable day, cause ideally we want them outside playing. Mm. But if, you know, if there's a time where they deserve it, then sporadic. It's not every night. It's not an expectation. Yeah. It's only at, at certain time. Yeah. Um, they can get a treat. Uh, Certainly, they uh, even the older ones. Uh, I'd like to hold off uh, giving smartphones. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, as long well, as possible. You're already fighting against the culture now. If your yeah. 13 year old doesn't have one. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So I mean, at the very least, uh, give them a what they call a dumb phone <laughs> uh, that just does phone calls. Yeah. But um, you know, I know the pressures are there, so it's mm. just making sure that the expectation is is limited. They are not expecting it. It's only ever. A treat. Now they don't look at social media. They don't touch that. But there's what we should do and what I actually do. So I also know that I shouldn't be looking at it in front of them. And I I have to confess um, that I've fallen in the trap of looking at my phone. Yeah. What I I I use as an excuse that it's work. I need to respond to people. Yeah. But there's a time and a place. And when I get home, I need to be attentive to my kids. And what have I done? I've had my head in the phone yes. and my little three-year-old tugging on my jeans mm-hmm. wanting me to pick them up and, and hug them yeah. and, and it take and it might take 30 seconds yeah i mean how dare i what what do i who do i think i am that my life is going to be more important than my yes. child yeah, yeah. so i i have to fall out of that trap of of um looking at my phone especially while my kids are trying to get my attention so i i think a great tip is put the phone away don't leave it in your pocket put it in another room mm. um before coming into your house from work, yeah. um, 
make sure you've finished all your calls, you've finished your, you've responded to people, even if it means parking the car down the street before getting into your front yard and just finishing everything off, just to spend that extra 10, 15 minutes, Mm. respond to people and know that there's a sacred time at that peak time, uh, whatever it is for your family. I don't, you know, everyone's got different uh, schedule, but if if it's that special dinner, nighttime routine, prayer, um, bedtime, keep that sacred. And no one, and that means phones on silent. Mm. No one can contact me during this sacred time. And, uh, and then, and you're attentive. My wife appreciates that. But she's always reminding me, get your head out of the phone. And so uh, the only way to do that is to put it away. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of people complain they can't contact me. Well, during those sacred times, you can't. Yeah, no. And then I'll call you back any uh, later after the kids are asleep. Then I've got a bit of time to respond all the next morning. Yeah, no, that's good advice. And that's um, holding me accountable too with, yeah, thinking about even when it is just like 30 seconds, yes. looking at it when, you, when your kid wants your attention. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm certainly guilty of that as well. Oh. Oh. So um, yeah, let's let's all pull up our socks in this regard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to hear now more about um, smart Catholics and the social media that you guys have actually launched yourselves. Um, I mean, I, I, I take it that uh, it's it's somewhat to do with uh, how you know things are get Catholic stuff is getting censored on on big tech platforms. Um, would it also be because uh, a lot of Catholic groups on mainstream platforms get quite antagonistic, and the, you know, the discussion can can be just polemical and not very helpful at all? Um, yeah, I'm just interested how you came up with the idea, how you started it, and what is you know yeah. Smart Catholics? Well, I'll clarify. Smart Catholics, although it's a partner of ours, yeah. um, so it's not uh, Perusia didn't found it. That was founded by uh, a good friend of uh, ours, uh, Dominic de Souza. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he founded it, um, started it, and it, we partnered very early on. It was actually start of COVID. Very interesting sure. enough, where events started to go virtual, mm. and Smart Catholics platform was 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 born. Mm. But we realised um, Smart Catholics had a vision to help support um, upcoming speakers, upcoming ministries, which we were certainly. But we we had a bit of a a reputation of those who were already established. Sure. Um, so those those. Those, those names were known love of Jason Everett and Christopher West and Ed Shree and yeah. Scott Hahn. And so smart Catholics were focusing more on helping the unknown mm. become known. And we were sort of promoting the, the very well known. So we, we've, we've had, we've got two sort of complementary now. Um, so okay. there's Perusia world yeah. and the smart Catholics are just both on, on the same infrastructure. Yeah. Um, so you actually uh, can download um, an app called mighty networks mm. It's free, and you can search for Smart Catholics, add it as a favorite, and then you can search Perusia World, add it as a favorite, and you can switch between them. Sure. So, and you, you have sort of this segmentation uh, of uh, – they're both international audiences. Okay. Um, both have a few thousand followers yeah. and members, and they're growing. And, and so they sort of grow on the back of these virtual events or virtual conferences. People come in, okay. interact. And what's great about them is that you can have these unlimited groups. So mm-hmm. if you have a, a particular interest – if it's the pro-life uh, movement and you're focusing there, you can have a group just talking about about that. You can have a group on scripture only, a group on apologetics, a group on on for mothers, a group for fathers, a group for families, uh, whatever you like. Teachers, there's about 80 different groups now in in the in the platform, and some of the some of the well-known names. Uh, uh, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers has his own group. Uh, Matthew Leonard has his own group. Um, we've got uh, uh, St. Paul Center and, and, and other 
other great apostolates as well, forming groups. And what we're hoping is these become a bit of a, a hub for these Catholic ministries to share their content, share their expertise, and be available. So you can actually reach out to um, Deacon Howard, for example, direct. Yeah. 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 You don't need to get his personal email. or sure. You can go direct in this and just message him, and yeah. it is there. Uh, Steve Ray's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about 80 different speakers and partners at the moment, and about uh, about 2,000 um Members and it's growing by the day. You know, it just keeps nicely, organically growing, and and it's a very international audience. So they're yeah. very much all over the place. So, um, so it's been great because people are asking questions, they're sharing their faith journey, um, and it's 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 there's it's no limit to it. You can have unlimited amount of members. It's completely free to join, and it just becomes a place for Catholics to be free, yeah. and they just share um, and talk and connect and. I'm, I'm amazed of how, how well it's going. It's only been a few months, uh, the Perusia World platform, and that's been very exciting to see. And, and we're just ramping things up with guest spots where you can, you can be in the, in a, in a closed room with Steve Ray and have, ask him any question you like. That's and we're, cool. we're trying to get these guests on every month. Um, so that, that was really great. Sonia Corbett and these great speakers. Yeah, um, great well. So very excited, um, to, to make this available. We're making, we're bridging the gap that whether these, Speakers who are very hard to connect with, um, we're making them as available as possible. And the, the audience is these other Catholics around the world trying to find connection with, with, with other Catholics yeah, globally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we know we're not alone. Mm. We're, we're still a, a billion strong if we, if we connect and tap into that. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it because we're all yeah. silent about it and we're yes. all quiet and keep it to ourselves. But if we can create pathways and opportunities to connect, we can awake this sleeping giant waiting to to really um, uh, reach the globe. And uh, although we have reached it, we've just got to now tap into it mm. and just, yeah, unleash it more. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, that's really important because it seemed that your mainstream social media platforms have tended to isolate people to just stay on the screen. Yes. Um, but I think having something that's purposed just for us Catholics who are really about community and being in person and, you know, um, the Catholic faith is so incarnational with all of our sacraments yes. where you, you have to be in person to, to receive that grace, really. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, to, to actually have a platform that's based at bringing people together, ideally in person, right? Like, you know, getting yeah. to know each other and, and, and forming those communities. There's a great um, f- feature near me, pe- members near me. Oh, right. Okay. And you can yeah. pre- you basically put your – you just click on that and it, it will filter out, um, filter down to those who are – within whatever kilometer distance you want. Mm. So if you just want Sydney, um, you can do that. If you just want, say, even your ne- neighboring suburbs, you can actually dictate what near me means okay. and it will filter who's near me. And yeah. so it's a brilliant little feature. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I signed up for an account. Um, I haven't used it that much yet, but I've just looked through it and, I, and I'm like, this is kind of kind of nifty. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, this could be, potentially a good thing for, for men's groups to kind of find themselves on um, if, if big tech is censoring our, our other platforms and um, taking too much of our information, surveilling too much of us, those sorts of problems. Yes. Um, you know, so we certainly encourage, and we'll, we'll get this shared up on our screen. Um, we'll probably uh, get some screen shares of just scrolling through what it looks like and then put some links in the description so that guys can see... Um, Perusia World, right? That's right. Yeah. Perusia so World. You've got Perusia World, and you've got and you've got Smart Catholic. 
um, within the, the Mighty Networks app. I've actually heard of that before. I know some yes. other groups also That's right. use that. And yeah, once so you're on the Mighty Network, you can, you can flick between all the different communities very easily. Yeah, yeah. okay. So very, very user-friendly. So, so we highly recommend that. Um, just coming towards the end of our time here now, Charvel, um, but can you tell us what Parisia has in store in the coming months and year that, that uh, men can look forward to? Sure, yeah. Um, we, we've, although we're, we're still focusing on building Perusia World, we're launching end of May um, a Perusia Academy. Mm-hmm. So this is brand new. Um, it's an online academy that's really focused on, on forming future leaders for mission. We want to yeah. raise the next generation of Catholic yeah. leaders. Um, imagine every parish, every uh, Catholic community had a leader there that was that was well-formed in their faith and able to pass it on and teach the the next generation. So this is what we've got to keep doing, passing it on. And so we want to, we've got this online platform that we want um, Catholics just to have accessible. Uh, It's like adult education, if you like, um, philosophy, theology, um, Christology, Mm. apologetics. There's there's Theology of the Body. We've got Christopher West on there. Um, We've got... uh, uh, other ones on scripture so there's introduction to scripture there's old testament new testament yeah um there's there's about 20 um courses that we've got locked in and then there's a Fantastic. there will be over 30 um and each course is very substantial about 12 hours each okay. um and it's all online so you can just watch them mm-hmm. uh, so about 12 hours worth of content uh, learn your faith and then if you choose to do an assessment you're free to do it yeah. it'll be a, a 1000 word essay nice. and you just just to show you that you've learned the content yeah and then you'll get a certificate at the end of 12 subjects. Mm. And then you'll be, uh, this certificate for mission, um, which, um, basically will be up to different dioceses to recognize to what recognize that it, yeah. does. But, but for, for your own faith journey, um, it will deepen your faith, deepen your appreciation and, and be, as far as Perusia is concerned, we want to stay in touch with you because we are always being asked from parishes around the country for Bible study leaders or, yes. or talks or speakers. And you would be really much in a position then yeah. um, with this content and, and, and formation to be able to deliver that. So it'd be great. And that's um, that's getting straight into the church's own principle of subsidiarity, which which yeah. I love as well. That's that's Catholic social teaching, pure and simple. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's about yeah. others and each other, not yeah. ourselves. And uh, we need to be passing this on. We can't yeah. keep it to ourselves. Okay. And so where can guys go to look up um, Perusia Academy? Yeah, uh, our website, uh, perusiamedia.com. Um, literally, uh, uh, launched, uh, as they're watching this, they'll see, uh, a banner, Perusia Academy, and mm-hmm. click on that and you'll see all the information there. Oh, awesome. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us today, Charvel. It's been a fantastic chat. Um, I've, I've learned a lot and I'm excited to learn more about, um, about these programs and yeah, also share me. them with, you know, with our men. We're, we're always looking for ways to form the leaders of men's ministries to make sure that they've got their formation. Um, so we'll definitely be recommending this to them to help yeah, lead Thank you. Groups. They're all invited. Love, love the vision to see um, our men uh, and leaders, men's in um, leadership roles around the church is crucial today. And yes. we, we need to stand up as men um, because yeah, for many years we've sort of probably let our culture down a bit. So it's, uh, it's our turn to step up, stand up and, and uh, be leaders for the next generation. Absolutely. Would you like to lead us in a closing prayer? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God and Father, we glorify you, we praise you, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to 
share your glory with, with those listening. I ask you to bless all the men watching, their families, if they're, if they're fathers, their children, their wives, and also Chris, his ministry, uh, the Life Marriage Office, and the Archdiocese of Sydney. And please um, be with us uh, as we try to navigate through this culture uh, to bring forth life, bring forth truth, bring forth hope to the world. You sent your son into this world to be the light of the world. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to be with us as the way, the truth, and the life. You are the model for us. You laid down your life on the cross for us. And may we also lay down our lives for our neighbor, the greatest act of love. And we can't do this without the Holy Spirit. You sent the Holy Spirit, Jesus, at Pentecost. As we prepare for Pentecost, we ask for that same Holy Spirit to come down and fill us with that love so we can be inflamed and, and inspired to go out to the world that desperately is looking for this, the love of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, of course, Our Lady, you were there among the apostles there who received tongues of fire on their head. Mother Mary, we can't do this without you. Hold our hand and guide us. And you had a companion on earth, St. Joseph. So we ask, with Immaculate Heart of Mary, to pray for us. And St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for, pray us. for us. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was, was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for yeah. coming, Shalvel. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Okay, guys. So... It's been another episode here. Please um, go and sign up to sydneycatholic.org slash Maximus to do that. In our next e-news, we'll be putting all the information that Charbel has mentioned that's very relevant that we can connect into um, Perusia World and uh, Perusia Academy. Um, share this podcast with your friends and family, and we'll see you again in June. God bless you all.